In the 2020s, a pandemic crippled the world. Some panicked, some denied it. These two guys stayed home, drank, and watched movies. These are the Jameson Tapes. Okay, I'm looking at the list. Next is the Poughkeepsie Tapes. Yeah. Yeah. I think we could skip it, though. We can put it off for one more. Cool. Yeah. Cool, cool. All right. Also do a Boilermaker. Yeah, let's sink them and drink them. Ah. Mine was for Beard Irish Red and the very, very last of the Conor McGregor Irish whiskey I had. Mine was a mango cart and scotch, which actually was not terrible. I would have done rum because mango cart is rather fruity. Did not have any rum. But honestly, it was not that terrible. I I wouldn't say, yeah, make this a drink, but eh, whatever. Cool. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Jameson Tapes. Welcome back. I am Alan. I am I am one of the co-hosts. I am Abysme. I am the other co-host. And aside from the Boilermaker I just had, I'm nursing my third very strong rum and coke. Mm. The rum is Bamboo XO, which I highly recommend. Is that a white rum or a dark rum? That's a dark rum. Okay. I'm on my third... Dark uh, Caribbean rum. Nice. I'm on my third mango cart. Because I just bought a six or a mango card, had three of them yesterday, having the rest three today. Okay. I'm feeling decently toasty right now. If I'm, I'm feeling being good. Honest. Feeling good. And we also just watched a movie. We did. One that we have. We watched a movie that I have a lot of conflicting feelings about. Me too. It's the good type of conflicting feelings, but it's definitely, it's very, very discussion worthy. This is a movie that neither of us have seen before. Uh, yes. And this movie was called The Last Shift. It is from 2015. And I knew absolutely dick about this movie going into it. All I knew about it, the only reason I even know about it and suggested it, was Red Letter Media was doing a review of something. Not of this movie. They just randomly said, oh, also, there's this movie called The Last Shift that uh, you should go check out. And it, it was tangential. And I saw that and went, oh, that actually sounds kind of fun. And that was years ago. I just, you know, I have I keep bringing this movie and then not watching it. And this podcast is a perfect opportunity to watch it. So, yeah, that's that's how we came about this. Let's just get into it then, I guess. <sighs> this is um, a it's a psychological horror. Yes. And when I both brought up Silent Hill a few times while we were watching it. Definitely. Uh, yeah. 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 Super, super, super Silent Hill vibes from the whole thing in general. And this is like 2015, um, so Silent Hill has not really did anything big come out regarding Silent Hill in 2015. I don't think so. I don't. I don't know. Not that I can think of. I, I think. I yeah. think we were in post Silent Hill years at the time. Yeah. It's, it sucks being. It sucks being in those years. Everybody. <laughs> uh, they're not coming back. Oh. Fuck you, Konami. Fuck you so much, Konami. Yeah. Anyway, so we start off with our protagonist who in a change for the show is really fucking likable yeah <laughs> it is a likable protagonist in a horror movie is rare <laughs> yeah and i think but... only psychological horrors can really get away with this even if you make all the right understandable decisions it's still not enough to survive it in one way or another but that's definitely what we get here 
Yeah. So our main character is is Officer Lauren, who who is a rookie cop, and they they are working the final shift at a police station that is going to be closed down. It's a final shift, but it's her literally her first shift. She is fresh out the academy. How dare you, movie? Call yourself the last shift and then say it's the first shift. Don't foreshadow that to me. And she's on the phone with her mom to start out the film, and her mom's basically, like, oh, you have, I don't know why you're doing this, you have nothing to prove, blah, 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 trying to talk her out of it, mm-hmm. and she she is indignant to the, the protests of her mother. Yeah. Then she goes into the old station and meets the best character in the movie. <laughs> Uh, so let's talk about let's talk about Sergeant Cohen. <laughs> oh, Sergeant Cohen. So she walks into the station and there's just a dude in there we can't see because he's in the back of the room. And he's just fighting the lockers. <laughs> and just screaming obscenities. <laughs> screaming obscenities and fighting the lockers. And then he he tells her to turn around when she notices him. She turns around and starts to walk away. He's just, I didn't say walk away, I just said turn around. <laughs> Officer Simon says. Turns around, but I didn't say Simon says. You're at a red light. <laughs> Everything with Officer Cohen here is fucking gold. She is She is so eager. You can tell she is very, very, she wanted to become a cop. And everything, you know, that a a cop is supposed to be. And he is just on the opposite spectrum of, I've been doing this for 40 years. (laughs) I am sick of everyone's shit. And I don't even know you and I'm sick of your shit. And just, you know, kind of just eyes are up and down and just takes inventory and goes, boy, okay. Yeah, your your job is to watch this place for from 10 to 4, 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. She says, well, why is that? Well, because come with me. This <laughs> oh, yeah, is this, this is the hazmat room. There's enough shit in here to make Chernobyl look a fucking bird shit staying on a window. And then says, nah, I'm fucking with cr- you. And all the criminals in the city, and all the criminals in the city want to get into this room, and you're the only person standing in there. Wa- I'm fucking with you. <laughs> what the fuck? That was good. <laughs> I hope this guy's not just leaving, because he's my favorite. <laughs> I know. He's great. <laughs> and it got us. We, we weren't sure if this movie's tone quite yet, but it totally got us. And we're like, okay, well, Cohen. <laughs> yeah. And says, you know, okay, yeah, um, don't leave here. You need to be here between 10 and 4 until Bio Hazmat comes by. Here's my number. Call me if you need me. Bye. And he just fucks off. Just fucking splits. It's great. Uh, so, yeah, the, the important thing is this 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 police station is literally hours away from being closed down entirely. And it looks so that there is a phone, but she is told the phone's just for show. Any and all calls will be redirected to the new station, which is already open. Yeah. So, yeah, she has promised a boring, boring night at this station. And if um, if you've ever and... in your life done an overnight shift anywhere, you kind of know what to expect. I will say, I said early on, this really reminds me of when I used to have to watch my dad's warehouse when I was a lot younger because I used to work for him. It, it looks so similar. <laughs> it's got the same doors. It's got these these white walls. There's exposed wiring. It's just your industrial office unit. It's it's fucking depressing. There's fucking really uh, harsh work, luminescent lights. Out work a job where occasionally I have to work overnights. And let me tell you how overnight shift works. I watch YouTube videos for eight hours. <laughs> I rewatched pretty much all of Dario 
one time when I had to do this. It's you're yeah. just you're sitting yeah. at the front desk and occasionally someone comes by that should not be there and you're please go away. <laughs> That's all that happens. What 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 are you doing here? <laughs> I need a pen. Why? You're not Daria. <laughs> <laughs> you're not Daria. I know Daria. I've been watching her. But yeah, um, so supposed to be so... uneventful. So in keeping with this being boring, we, we get Officer Lauren reading a book. Reading her training manual. Oh no, it's a woman suddenly reading a book again. Oh shit. <laughs> Quick, is this A24? <laughs> yeah, she reads her training manual and this is a thing that pops out throughout the film. She She's a rookie. She seems really dedicated to the job. Yeah. She is constantly quoting bits of the training manual to herself. Of her, her officer's oath. That you take after when you graduate, yeah. I think. So yeah, she she's they they stress how boring the job is, uh, and and they yeah. do a good job setting it up. There's a point where she's just staring at a light that is blinking out of it, blinking out. <laughs> because that's the only <laughs> yeah. thing making noise in the whole building is a fluorescent light just going in and out, in and out, in and out. So we get a good minute or so of her just staring at a blinking light, <laughs> and yep, overnight shifts. I think, I think at that point, we're like, oh no, we're so, back in an A24 film. Yeah. <laughs> so then Lauren receives a call at the phone that is not supposed to ring. Mm-hmm. And and on the other line of, line of the call seems to be a woman who is just... just having a gay old very time. Very much in distress. <laughs> yeah, no, no, not that. Not, ha- not having a fun time and apparently is worried about dying very much. Um, and that's literally all we get before the call disconnects that's literally all we get on the first call so then i think she calls there she calls the police station the active one yeah says, hey i thought i thought I, I thought i wasn't supposed to be getting any calls and they're like, you're not your your line's not connected to get any calls and she's like, well i got a call huh that's weird anyway <laughs> bye so then officer lauren is eating a sandwich and then we're really concerned about us being in an a24 <laughs> yeah. oh fuck me slow pan over to her in the break room eating a sandwich and then it goes from we're worried about it, it being an A24 but, film to we're worried about it being The Ring from 2002. Yeah, because she takes a bite of the sandwich and we get the shot of her like realizing she bit into something weird and mm-hmm. then pulling a long hair out of her mouth. Yep, yep, that scariest thing. Slow pans of people eating sandwiches. Oh, are we going to do it? Are we going to do it? Yep. Also like The Ring movie. Yeah. <laughs> when did The Ring come out? Say early After- 2000s. Yeah, it could have been even like a one or something, but it just informed so, so much. People got to stop lifting from that movie. And I will say, yeah. if you've ever done that, it you know, it's visceral. It's gross. No one wants to bite into a bunch of human hair. But The Ring has done these things. And when The American Ring came yeah. out, I, I you know, and obviously the Japanese Ring, Ringu is also really good. But The American Ring had so much visual imagery that has informed every most horror movies that came after it to this day they're still doing this and this is just a call out to hollywood stop copying the ring come up with something new please because it's not working anymore no there's this weird thing about the ring where the ring is where i as a teenager got back into horror same i look back fondly on the movie for that reason but also it it doesn't hold up as well as I thought it would. No, um, I mean, and it's a remake, and the the the, the grainy footage is fine. That's that's the strong part of the movie. The rest of it's yeah. just 
Ringu, essentially. But yeah, just stop copying the ring. Stop copying Jacob's Ladder, which this movie does as well. Just stop. Oh, Jacob's Ladder for sure. Everyone's fucking stop. Yeah, stop. (laughs) Everyone. Ooh, I could. Man, I feel we have to move on, but I could talk about this for a long time. (laughs) Like I said, this movie is very discussion worthy. Um, Okay. So, yes. So she eats her sandwich. Uh, She throws up her sandwich. sandwich. Yeah. Then she hears a. a she hears a, or I think it's a ring at the front, and goes to the front, and there's no one there. Turns or leaves, actually exits the building, and then turns around. This is this is an important point. The doors to the front of the station are glass, but they are also very dirty. The set design in this movie is very very on point. So there's a dark figure on the other side, back in the lobby that we see, and my first thought is, oh god, is the bye bye man. Was- Oh, no, it's the bye-bye man. No! <laughs> Get out of this movie! I was super... I was A, the bye-bye man. B, I was super worried when we first saw the first glimpse of the dark figure and it looked a woman with long hair and I was oh, <laughs> we're just doing the ring. We're just doing the ring, man. <laughs> yeah. So It was so soon after the hair in the sandwich. Yeah, but then she walks back in and it's a it, it's a homeless man who is peeing on the floor of the lobby of the police station. He sure is. Yeah, no. A cab. <laughs> That's why I'm peeing in here. <laughs> and I, I should say, this building does not really represent a police station. There's a few things in it that would be found in a police precinct, but it's clear now this is this is a like I said this is my dad's old warehouse that I've I've literally yeah, done overnight. It's kind of like abandoned it's kind of like abandoned office space and stuff or yeah. something like that. Yeah. But whatever. It it works. It's fine. And so he's yeah. just pissing on the floor and she's I, what I really like about her character is she it's never said but it's definitely shown that she is she's a rookie but she is very 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 dedicated to it she goes through all of the by the book procedures and you know approaches everything with i've read the manual backwards and forwards because she's constantly reading that training manual and does everything just so procedurally she says hey you know turn around and face me hey i'm going to tase you Hey, giving every opportunity for someone to interact with her. And it does the same thing with this dude. It's just it's this homeless dude peeing on the floor with no shoes. So, yeah, there's a homeless guy peeing on the floor and she's, hey, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, and just shoves his ass out um, the door. Shoves him out the door. Then she goes to wash her hands. And I think she finds the homeless guy's shoes at this point. She goes, well, she gets a, um, she gets the mop and bucket to clean up the piss. And when she goes back, I think she hears random more noises. There's a lot of just, she hears a noise off camera and goes to investigate. But yeah, she goes back and finds his shoes and then leaves him outside. Which I don't think is a point we ever come back to. That's a really weird scene, actually. Yeah. Thinking about it. It's very she finds weird. What she assumes is the homeless guy's boots, because we do earlier get a clear shot of the homeless guy, uh, his feet, and he's got you know a bunch of scabs on his feet and stuff. Yeah, he's barefoot, and it's clear that he's so been barefoot assumes, for a while. She assumes the boots she finds belong to the homeless guy, and she just sticks them outside. And you know, you know, which is weird. She calls the other station for fucking everything, but doesn't say, "Hey, there's a homeless dude." Can someone connect me with the appropriate city services to come help him? 
No, it just shoves his ass outside. I don't want to deal with you. You know, I, I just thought that I'd bring that up because it is weird. She calls the station for everything. It was like, oh, there's a homeless dude. Not my problem. Shove his ass back out on the street. Whatever. <laughs> you know. So then she, as is most of the plot of this film, investigates another noise. Yes, there is. a ba- bathroom. Oh, God. The bathroom. The black mold bathroom from hell. Really, ah. really bad. That is an ass load of black mold. You need to not be in there. Yeah. You need to not go in wherever that is. That's how you end up seeing the bye-bye, man. (laughs) (laughs) This is actually, I think this is when the cinema, okay. The cinematography of this film, for the most part, is really, really good. They do very, very well with cuts. She goes through the bathroom, and then when she exits the bathroom, she ends up in this backrooms-esque locker room, which is very just pale yellow, and goes to locker, Sade has said, locker 25, thank you, Sade and opens it and finds a photo of what we think is her father because it's got it's it's a, it's a cop with a little girl on his on his back at a playground and on the back of it it says you know love you cuddle bug something something love dad and that's very heartwarming and she does this thing where she's going to put it in her back pocket and my first thought was no if you take that with you that's going to further the plot of this indie video game that I've played a hundred times. You need to not do that. And to the movie's credit, she puts it back. And to me, this is very symbolic of I'm trying not to hold on to the past. I'm trying to be my own person. I'm trying to just be a cop. And we know, we know that she definitely lives in the shadow of her father. And she's, you know, it, it would not be a stretch of the imagination that she became a cop because her dad was, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. But she puts it back. Right. But then we get one of the greatest shots of the film and it cuts and all of the lockers are open. No, see, you just triggered like a plot event and if you take that with you, okay, good. Smart, do not take that with you. Nothing will happen. (laughs) 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 Oh, okay, okay. Okay, okay. I like this. Pretty effective shot actually. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Before Paranormal Activity three tried to do it, yeah, uh, it does. It does a couple shots this way, and it's it's re- it's really effective. It's really good. It's very eerie. It's not a jump scare. It's just unsettling. And this, I remind everybody, this is before a lot of the Paranormal Activity shit. This was this is a small film. Actually, I'm gonna look up its budget while we're talking about this, but uh, I, I did not expect that. It was very, very well done. Okay, quick aside about Paranormal Activity. Yes. We have a local theater in a in a mall that is now closed. Mm-hmm. We had a local very, very, very independent theater that showed lots of independent stuff, and I went there one day, and there was this dude who was just, hey, come watch my movie that I'm trying to get picked up by hollywood and shit like that i would so that's down. how i before it got a major hollywood release got to essentially watch a very early cut of paranormal activity holy shit yeah that was it yeah you he know what go to theaters with that movie yeah uh, while we're on the topic paranormal activity the first one is a good film like yeah. in in my opinion it's a good film it's granted it got just driven into the ground afterwards because it's a very easy formula to recreate. Uh, but the first one, 
is effective. It was new. It was fresh. It was the newest thing done in found footage since the Blair Witch Project, which is just set up, you know, cameras in your house and scary shit happens in the house. You know, say what you want about it. It was new and exciting. And it's so much of it. I don't know why there's a San Diego connection to that film. It's just they filmed in North County and they were like, yeah, we got this nice big ass North County house. So we'll hire just random people off the fucking street and do it. And it was a very special small thing for that first movie. But uh, no, I, I really Paranormal Activity one. I can't get the budget for this movie for Last Shift. I'm trying to find it because I bet you it's small. Yeah, probably, probably very, very small. But they do a lot with it. Sade can't find the budget either. No one knows. <laughs> anyway. Best editor. <laughs> I, really, though, Sade is the best producer uh, editor to have. <sighs> okay, so, yeah. Uh, I'm there. Oh, we get another call from Monica. Yes, we get, a, we get a call. We get another phone call from the girl in distress who sounds very, very distressed about the people trying to kill her. And during this phone call, we get her name, which is Monica. We get her saying she believes she's on a ranch. <laughs> which we decided uh, was the Hidden Valley Ranch. <laughs> which is where they make all the salad dress. But again, she, I think she calls the police station again here. And they're just, yeah, that's weird. That's weird. Too bad. <laughs> and maybe it was this call or the next call. But at this point, as someone who works a job where I regularly... Uh, on occasion get to transfer people to the police i'm just transfer her transfer her to the actual police <laughs> yeah a li- little bit of a inconsistency you can transfer there calls but i mean that's kind of the but with this movie's internal logic she would try that and then it wouldn't work and i, I we're kind of skipping ahead here yeah. but this the the i'm gonna i'm gonna make a parallel to the bye-bye man here for everyone who listened to our bye-bye man episode the biggest threat and horror in that film is the building they're in. And in this film, it really, really feels the building, the station, the abandoned station that's being phased out is just fucking with her the entire time. Yes. And like, if she had tried to transfer, I would 100, and if it just came out to be like, oh, this can't be completed this dialed, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. This, this building is just fucking with her. None of the, I don't usually films where you don't know what's real, what's real and what's not real, because a lot of them aren't set up very well. This movie does it very, very well. And I, I really have to commend it for that. Yeah. So from there, they get disconnected from Monica. I think the the, the police give her a case. Say, OK, we've started a case number for this. You get any more information, reference this case number. Yeah. So from there, there's just a bunch of spooky shit happening in the building. Mm -hmm. And we're just waiting for the turn to happen so fucking hard. We're about 20 minutes in. We're okay. This is act one's about to end. You got to start ramping up. Yeah. And to this movie's credit, it has a few turns. Mm -hmm. But she's still convinced maybe she's seeing stuff. And though in the moment I felt a little frustrated, I kind of I kind of dug it. I appreciate it because she also she's doing her best to keep her cool and really just she's trying so hard. You feel throughout this entire movie, she is trying so, so hard to do her job and to not cave in to pressure and expectations and all sorts of things. And I think that's one of the reasons why we really rooted for her as our pro tag. It's just, we, we want you to win. We want your your dedication yeah, to pay off. Yeah. We were 
you are on the side of this protagonist so mm-hmm. hard. Yeah, and there's more so than I think any other film we've we've watched on this show. Yes, definitely. There was nothing wrong. I mean, there's something's wrong, but we didn't hate the protags and Lamb, but we did want the Grendel to win at the end. It just made sense logically. Yes. <laughs> it, we knew from the jump in in Lamb that something the main characters in this film were going to be punished for what yeah. they were doing. Yeah, it was fate. This film, we are on Officer Lauren's side. Yeah. <laughs> All right. If a cap. So yeah, she a lot of spooky shit happens, and I don't, I, I really don't want to go beat by beat because I do want people to watch this movie. So she yeah. hears something in the back, in the back, the back, the random fucking storage section, and the homeless dude is just up tossing boxes down and just you know just throwing stuff around. Fucking guy, buddy. Why does he look so much like fucking? Normal-sized Hagrid. (laughs) (laughs) You're a policeman, Harry. (laughs) She goes up and I think batons him. No, doesn't tase him yet, but batons him, takes his ass to holding. And this is important because at the very beginning, Sergeant Cohen said, don't go back to holding. You do not need to go back there. And that that was foreshadowing obviously but she did it and it it has consequences there's setup and there's payoff for holding and i thought that was really good but yeah it just shoves his ass in and then the door closes behind her and then our turn okay. happens and this is kind of, this is kind of where we thought the turn was and yeah okay Sage just brought up a point <laughs> that I was about to say. I thought we were going to get payoff for why that dude was looking through evidence and shit. We didn't. <laughs> well, here's the thing. The movie has a very cleverly built-in logic. Is the homeless dude even real? Or was it just an excuse to get her into holding and to tempt her and to be are you going to turn into the cop that you don't want to be? Are you going... Because she, when she's reciting her oath to herself, it's, I'm going to protect the innocent. I'm going to be aware of the welfare of others. And this this building is constantly just fucking with her and tempting her. And I, I, I assume, other than Cohen, that everything she encounters in this film is not real. And it's just a hallucination. Also, just Aid, who anyone listening to this podcast assumes is a silent ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right so she gets locked in holding and the lights go out and there's voices on either side and she drops her flashlight and it gets picked up and she's talking to what she assumes and we assume is the homeless guy holding it up it's not him he's in the corner something else is in there with them it's it's, actually actually another great shot in this film i wanted to point out yeah she assumes it's the homeless guy we assume it's the homeless guy. She's talking to whoever's pointing the flashlight at her. And then she looks over at the homeless guy and he's still just fucking unconscious on the ground. Because she tased him prior so to get him into the, the flashlight uh, up. I would be very happy if this was just Cohen fucking with her the entire time. Yes. <laughs> it's her first shift, but his last shift. And he's just like, I'm going to mess with the rookie <laughs> from 10 to 4. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to bang on all the lockers. They'll never beat me in a fight, lockers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, is is not the homeless dude. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, damn, this movie's good. Okay. 
then whoever's holding the flashlight, we hear a little bit of a female voice who's saying, I don't remember the specifics of this. It's just, I'm, it, it, it alternates between I'm scared, oh my god, oh my god, and then it becomes more sinister of, hey, I want to, I'm going to kill you, do you want to get out of here alive? Which makes more sense later on when we have more reveals. But it, it's just, it's a disembodied voice, again, toying with her. Yeah. So eventually, I think flashlight drops and she picks it up and we get kind of a little jump scare shot of some kind of monster wearing a hood on their head. Yeah. The door to the room unlocks and she's out of the holding cell and she just leaves normal sized Hagrid in the room. She gives Officer Cohen a call (laughs) and she's, hey, this building is haunted. It is haunted times. There are ghosts and this is haunted. It's not actually what she says. She says she thinks she's seeing things. Oh. <laughs> and Officer, Officer Cohen says, Well, if you're not cut out for this job, maybe you should just hand in your resignation. I thought you were a good cop. Your dad was. And, and she's, No, I'm a good cop. My dad is. And I'm, I'm going to, I'll see you at next shift. And again, that probably wasn't Cohen. She probably didn't even call Cohen. Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. Could there be. Is, there is. No goddamn way of telling, really. Nah, with this movie, the way it's set up, maybe, maybe not. But I, I'm, it... I'm saying it right now. I'm watching this movie again after after this recording. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely got rewatch value. I don't know if we want to cut back to it, but when she calls Cohen, he's just, what? <laughs> it's just immediately <laughs> not here for this call. <laughs> Is the building on fire? No. Are you in trouble? No. Then why are you calling me? <laughs> because he had previously <laughs> said, if you need help... Here call me and that's why i think it wasn't even cohen i think it was just yeah. the building fucking with her but oh man we had we had so many good uh, cohen again, jokes oh yeah that's that's interesting and yeah it one of the reasons i want to rewatch this movie cohen and his blonde mustache <laughs> <laughs> love cohen so yeah officer lauren was understandably freaked the fuck out by what happened but she calls officer cohen and officer cohen officer cohen's at her And she's, nope, you know, I'm fine. You know what? I'm a police officer and I will handle this. So then she hears a noise and goes out to investigate. And this is when we meet. (coughs) Pardon me. I wish we got a running burp counter for this series. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. We are we are very unapologetic about burping on Mike on this. No, show. this this the show is movie reviews and drinking. There's gonna be burps. Make no apologies for that. I have listened back to the three episodes that are out now as of this recording, and it tickles me a little every single time <laughs> we burp on Mike. Yeah. <laughs> so Officer Lauren goes outside and there is presumably a prostitute outside. Don't know if this is a ghost prostitute. It's hard to tell because prostitute exists purely okay, for exposition. Yes. Dump. You're getting, you're getting exactly, you're getting exactly to the point. I was wondering, was she real or was she a ghost? I don't know because she's just she's out back and she's just hanging out there, kind of. You know what? I, I don't know because okay, if she's a streetwalker, you need to be on the street at a corner. She is yeah. away I, I from the street. The, I am erring on the side. I am erring on the side of ghost. Yeah, for, uh, our prostitute, whose name is Marigold. Officer Lauren goes out back of the police station, and there is Marigold having a cigarette. And Officer Lauren is just, "Hey, you can't be doing what you're doing out here." And she's just, "Okay, is it is it cool if I finish my cigarette?" And Officer Lauren is, "Yeah, okay, whatever." And then Marigold says, hey, you know, I was here the night it happened. 
and tells the story of Brain. The Payman family um, cult murders. The Payman family, who are the Mansons, and how they all hung themselves in their cells. They, oh God, there, there's there's a lot because it's an exposition, don't be said, but there was a Manson-esque yeah, family no, this cult. Is 100%, this is 100% the biggest exposition dump we get in the film. And, and I remember myself saying, I don't, I don't like that dump, but I also don't know where else you would communicate this information with the way the film's set up, so whatever. Yeah. But basically, there was the payments, and they had a ranch where they were killing young girls. They get arrested. Everyone thought that they all got killed on the scene, but uh, the police kind of kept that hush-hush, brought the members back to this very precinct that Jessica is in, and they hung themselves in the precinct by their bedsheets. And they were singing a song, and there was a lot of screaming, and there was evil everywhere, blah, blah, blah. And then the prostitute promptly leaves. And we don't get a, oh my God, she was there, and then she's not. She just leaves. So who knows if it's ghost prostitute? I don't know. Don't know with this movie. I'm 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 still erring on the side of ghost, but again, I'm gonna watch this again. Mm -hmm. so for her to have such specific details about what's going on, I, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm really really erring on the side of of her being a ghost. And she has a comical um, southern accent that no one else in the movie has. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is re ridiculous <laughs> she might as well have said i do declare i have the vapors <laughs> i was here when those ruffians were brought into the precinct so, there you know marigold leaves and officer lauren goes back inside and she passes by a room where there's static on the tv and then samara's gonna hop out yeah samara we mean cohen dressed like a japanese lady ghost <laughs> <laughs> Hey, rookie, I'm from the ring. <laughs> I'm going to pop out the TV. <laughs> and it's not the room. The ring. The room. The room. Wow. <laughs> I didn't kill everybody. I did, not, I did it. I did not haunt you. I did not. <laughs> oh, hi, Cohen. Sorry. <laughs> everybody prank call me. Everybody. I fed up with this job. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, walks past a room where there's a TV that has a bunch of static on the TV. And it's not the ring static. Instead, the TV starts playing what seems to be recordings of the interviews with the Payman cult, whose head is, can't remember his name. John Michael Payman. John Michael Payman, who is the who is the head of the Payman family cult. So it's interviewing him and two of his female cultists. He seems to the pretty ladies for his cult. Yes. This um, is where the film thinks should be completely was, not in there. Yeah, it was in danger of losing me at this point. Because <laughs> him appearing on a TV under heavy static, that's fine. Because at that point, it still feels the building is messing with her. But then we get we, we, we breach the fourth wall and kind of go, we're seeing the actual interrogation rooms and he's saying a bunch of edgelordy stuff and it just gets layered on top of itself. And then it then it zooms out and then it's, you know, her perspective again. And I'm like, we didn't need that. It, it, we already got an exposition dump. We don't also need him 
talking about how he's, you know, the true servant of the actual devil and threat, 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 threat. I get that it it does communicate at this point that anyone that he sets his eyes on, he will make them pay. He will make their descendants pay. And that does come back. So there is internal logic. But we that could have just been communicated briefly through him, through a static ETV to her. And that's it. But it feels filler. We just have this very early aughts, you know, edgelordy, I worship the devil interview. It's just, ugh, it didn't need to be in there. You say Ed Lordy, and we, we, we arrived at this, I think at this point, and then around the end of this movie. If this movie was directed by an edgy 15-year-old, <laughs> every bit of it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I have more words about that. Is, that. And that is, that is, that is not a negative review. An edgy teenager made this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Because I kind of want to buy them a beer. I'm sure they're not yeah. a teenager anymore. No, 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 no. Because we were the same when we were that age. But uh, and I have more words about that. But we'll, um, we'll get to that. We also get something from two of his attractive female cultists. One of them talks about how pretty she is. One of them, while talking about John Michael Payman, fucking smashes her face against the table and breaks her nose. Ha ha, cool. And it's fine. <laughs> she says, "I, you know, if you beat someone with a baseball bat, they don't even look human anymore. The the human body has so much blood all in I, it." <sighs> all, all I could think about this from all I could think about while watching this was from the perspective of the actors, and this is actors making a fucking meal out of out of the instruction <laughs> they've been giving. Yeah, this didn't need to be in the movie, in my opinion, but whatever. It didn't. It didn't need to be, but it didn't ruin it entirely. I was still on board after this point. Because we do get back to Jessica. Um, yep, we get back to Officer Lauren. Okay, <laughs> right after the video cuts out, there are chairs. <laughs> there are chairs. Um, there There's are chairs, chairs in the room she's the room. in. And yeah, they're just, they're being possessed and being thrown around. And I think the reason the interrogation scenes didn't take us entirely out of the scene is while the chairs are being thrown around, we kind of get glimpses of someone sitting in the chair wearing the hood, yeah, the, the cultist hood or whatever. Yeah. And it's pretty pretty well done. It is. Um, I don't think there's really much of a jump scare in this and, movie, and I, I really appreciate that. It's just yeah, things are in the background, and they mean things. No real, yeah. Uh, and then one of the chairs just fucking hockey checks her. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fine, and it was much better than the weird interrogation footage we had immediately prior yeah she gets hockey checked by one of the chairs and gets knocked out knocked over before she has time to even think about reacting to what just happened she hears the phone ringing in the other room and she she goes to check the to answer the phone and hey it's monica again and this time monica i think gives a last name young yeah monica young so monica gives her last name and Officer Lauren is trying to instruct her to get away from there as, as fast as she can. Something to that extent. Something. We have numerous Monica calls, and they kind of don't mean anything bunch after of a while. Calls, and I'm trying trying to keep straight which which details get revealed in which Monica call. But it doesn't, I think this is just where Monica gives her last name. Yeah, it doesn't really matter until the last call. But so yeah, yeah. Officer Lauren gives uh, Officer Lauren calls dispatch again and says, "Hey, I got her last name." So they know that and they're looking into it as much as they can. They're looking for <laughs> the, the place with all the salad. Anyway, 
<laughs> and then um, Officer Stripper shows up. Before we get Officer Stripper, real quick, we do, oh, yeah. we do get an encounter with who we I assume is the main villain of the film. After after Officer Lauren got body check got hockey checked by chairs, she hears a noise and goes to another room, which you're gonna notice is a recurring theme of this film. <laughs> this time she hears a noise and goes to the room and sees a bunch of chairs in the room. And she turns her head and looks back, and the chairs have all piled on top of each other to <laughs> to become the chair god. Oh god, chairs. <laughs> oh god, more chairs. Ah! ah! <laughs> They're forming an alliance! <laughs> and even she is, okay, I'm being fucked with. Come on out, is this how you treat rookies? <laughs> yes, okay. Yeah, that this is actually kind of the only relatable pro tag moment. Yeah, there's a lot of relatable pro tag moment, but as far as horror film goes, horror films go, there's a moment where she's just, all right, you're all fucking with me, aren't you? <laughs> okay, this is how you fuck with the rookies. I get it. Ha ha. And if this is how any business fucked with new people, it would be my favorite business. It's poor boy. So she goes and she shoves the chairs over, <laughs> which is great. Chairs will not take this lightly. <laughs> You've offended them and their god. But it uh, goes yeah. back to the front, and lo and behold, an officer shows up. Oh, we also, throughout the movie, we assumed that all the fucking with her going on was Officer Cohen. Oh, yeah, because Cohen's, Cohen's a basket case and a love him. And yeah, we were assuming Cohen was just fucking with her the entire time. So then we get a police officer showing up. Assume. Ass and we're assuming it's to check on her because she's made several calls to dispatch that have been, hey, some shit's going down. Well, he says as much of, um, hey, I'm here to check on you. Yeah. And she is immediately confrontational. Huh? Is this what you do? This is what you fuck with new people? And he's like, no, I'm just here to check on you. Yeah. Oh, okay. And this officer, Officer Price, we assumed was a male stripper. <laughs> he just had all the energy and presentation of a stripper. <laughs> I'm not actually a policeman, I'm a stripper. The stripper get there yet? <laughs> Do the right to remain sexy. <laughs> <laughs> not a bad not a bad looking dude. No, no. But he he's, you know, he's very reassuring from the moment he shows up and he's they just go on to check on you and they kinda flirt a little bit too. A little bit, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he says he was there on the night that the the Payman family fucking wild, which is also the night when her dad was killed. And that this is the point in the movie where you connect a lot of dots, not just about yep. the story, but a lot of the themes. Her dad was killed on the job, saving the girls who were abducted by the Payman cult and multiple officers were killed in the exchange. He also talks about the fact that after the payment cult hung themselves in the building, shit just started getting weird and the place was haunted and they begged and pled to just get a new building. And that's why this building is on slash shift. And in hindsight, probably should have guessed that he wasn't real, but he says- uh, Actually, we kind of called it. <laughs> did we? I don't even remember. Oh no, you're yeah, right, we, we absolutely did. Right after, right after he told the story, we were like, anyway, I'm you're, a ghost. You're a fucking Later. ghost. <laughs> yeah. Are you a figment? Anyway, I'm also a ghost. <laughs> oh, yep. Damn. All right. Well, we were right. This place is fucking with you. I love it. Then uh, in a very, very great shot, he's like, hey, well, you know, call me. I'll come by anytime. Turns around, 
giant gaping hole in the back of his head where he was shot and leaves, goes behind a wall, does not emerge from the other side. Not real. And it was very, very well done because this is kind of the only stress relieving moment this entire film has. And then it just ends with, nope, you're you're in Silent Hill. (laughs) (laughs) And then really, percent in Silent Hill. And really, in Silent Hill, not to explain an entire franchise, but Silent Hill, what you experience in Silent Hill, you bring in with you. And Jessica has a lot of feelings and angst and existential crises about, you know, that her father was taken from her too soon and it was in the line of duty. And she wants to be a cop, you know, but her mom's saying, no, that's how your father died. Why would you also do this? A lot of the conversation she has with her mother in the very beginning comes back. It's a very, very powerful, well-constructed moment in the film. Probably, you know, if I had to, you know, be a film critic about this shit, I would say this is the best part of the film. But a lot gets revealed. And we were very, very on board with the film at this point. Yes. So yes, I was I was one hundred percent okay. I get this. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm in. I don't want to super scene by scene this, but just more happens. We get more Monica calls. We get more spooky shit happening. I really want people to watch this. I don't want to like, give away everything. The next important thing that happens is a dispatch from the active office calls and says that Monica you keep talking about, she's been dead for a year, literally. You're getting called by someone pranking you. Something's up. But, you know, you're, you're talking to a ghost. We have more interesting footage, more scenes. I could I could visit this next point. I don't want to. I really want people to watch this. But the important thing is it all kind of comes to a head and people break into the precinct. And she finally, after all this, has to take out her gun and has to start shooting people and defending herself. Actually, okay, before okay. that, there's we one did, thing before okay. that. We we did not adequately explain a team coming in. Yeah. That is important. Yeah, I guess uh, we have the to The reason up. she is still on site and not a regular security guard <clears throat> is because a hazmat team is, team is supposed to come to the site and dispose of Study evidence. evidence that they have left over that is gross. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's gross shit that no one wants. There, There is one scene, uh, I guess we have to talk about this. No, yeah. Basically, she hallucinates and gets knocked out by a baton and wakes up in an interrogation room on the other side. And one of the former cult members is being, I- I'm crazy and we're devoted to things and uh, you don't know if I'm real or not, blah, 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 blah. And takes her, has her gun and shoots herself in the head and a bunch of stuff happens. But she, you know... <sighs> I think that really happened. <laughs> a, a former member of if the payment cult shot herself? Deline- if we're delineating between the things that happened and didn't happen in this film, I think maybe that might have actually happened. Well, because every other bullet she shoots up until the end is a ghost bullet. So I don't, that's the thing. Yeah, it happens and there's blood all over it. And she takes the blood, she takes the bloody gun and carries it with her and it still has blood on it. But Everything that happens inside this building is suspicious. You can't trust it. Maybe yeah. that did, but the, the 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 cult member who shot herself looks the same as she did the day all this shit went down. So I I still think that's a ghost. I don't know. Really, with this film, you do not know. But that all happens, and then people break in, and they're, they're, they don't even seem like cult members. They seem like people who just want to continue the cult, and they want to perpetuate what was happening. 
and she just starts lighting him up and immediately we were oh no i know where this is about to go <laughs> oh are the bio people gonna show up and she's gonna accidentally shoot them that's, that's my guess uh, i hope not i'm rooting for our girl here oh no no yep i think that's exactly what's happening oh boy oh boy She's shooting the bio we, hazmat we team. <laughs> yeah, we weren't happy about it because we're all, oh, no, we, we, we want you to do, we, we want your shift to go fine. We don't want you to end up this. And yeah, spoilers, but she just, she hallucinated. She went crazy and she just started shooting the and hazmat of course, team. Of course, we finally decide we like a protagonist and this shit happens. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> it, it, there is a lot of tragedy in here and it's very well earned. But uh, at the end, she shoots a, a dude who she thought was a cult member, and then she gets shot, and it's Sergeant Cohen. <laughs> She's what happened? And she turns, and it's a dude in a hazmat suit. Fucking Cohen. Fucking Cohen. Like, he starts calling in help, officer down. God, yeah. It's just, it, it, it ends with this, Jessica is a tragic character. She got caught up in... This is my interpretation, of course, but she got caught up in the idea of her father and what her father went through. And maybe she has some vengeance in her that she wants to exercise. And this is what she's taking into Silent Hell House. And it's just kind of this thing of, you know, you can't avenge your dad. What happened, happened. What exactly are you looking for? But then it's kind of offset with this weird, the cult people are actually demons and they've been manipulating her. And at the end, they're like, yeah, now you're one of us type of thing. And that's where I'm conflicted about the yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah okay we we had just reached the end of the film mm -hmm. we're kind of in the discussion phase yeah okay here's what i'm gonna say the ending of this movie should have been setting up the final 20 minutes of this movie yeah i think her realizing she killed those hazmat dudes and Officer Cohen showing up and taking a shot at her. I think maybe Officer Cohen shows up a little later and her realizing she killed those hazmat dudes should have should have led into more movie. <laughs> it could have, however. Well, could have, but I, I, I'm curious to hear what you think. The problem is they leaned, in, in Act 3, they leaned so much into there's a cult and they say that we're not Satan worshippers, we're cooler than that. We're not like other satan worshipers but there's so much about how they possessed everything and they haunt this and they're gonna they're gonna come after everyone and their families and everything they love and all this stuff so you can't not have them appearing to her after she's dead with goofy contact lenses and fake filed down teeth and just all this stuff all, all this just just extra stuff that they don't need to put this unnecessary hat on the hat they could have done that but yeah. the problem is there's just too much extra crap in there that shouldn't have been. And I don't know if I've ever done my sinister rant on the podcast. I've definitely done it in another podcast we've done. But to be very brief, Sinister is one of my favorite horror movies. We, we had discussed it. You were gonna you were gonna get to it eventually. <laughs> yeah, Sinister. Half of that movie is a really really good grounded horror movie of a crime author, a true crime author, just plumbing the depths of his profession and getting really too deep into it and depressed and alcoholic and neglecting his family and going crazy because he finally finds this eight millimeter footage that is just horrific and he can't take it. And it's a wonderful depiction of a spiral, a downward spiral. And the other half of that movie is Bagul. So 
that's kind of what that's what the end of this movie is it's not as bad as sinister in that respect but there is just like you didn't need to do that this this movie was horrific and tense enough without everything extra added in and the ending well like i'm gonna say right now this movie people should watch this movie there is that element to it i wish it wasn't in there but you know it's not so much of a detractor to sour the rest of it. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. I think her, her getting shot up was disappointing, but mm-hmm. it, it made sense. But from the moment we get the shot of uh, Sharp Fanged Payman with his, with his, his sexy cultist ladies, I think, eh... I was expecting to... Maybe not. (laughs) The credit to cut and just hear down with the sickness. It really felt that. (laughs) This was a 2015 film that felt we were back in 02. And looking up other stuff about this movie, the the posters, some of them are the last shift. There's a girl climbing on a wall and there's a pentagram in the back. I'm like, that's not what the movie is about for 95% of it. This is terrible advertising. But if if I had saw that, no, I wouldn't fucking watch this movie. So it it probably, it feels like studio meddling or maybe something of just going, no, you need to have a, a, a satanic cult in it. Yeah, but I want to tell a story about a person's life shift and their obsession with their, their dad and, you know, all these interesting themes. No, there's got to be a satanic cult in it. Like, okay, we'll work that in. Yeah, you know, it, it happens. Okay. Okay. But we're keeping Sergeant Cohen <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh, coming so much. You can't take that blonde mustached wonder out of the film. Right. Unless you've got more to discuss, I think we can move to uh, the drink of the movie. I think so. And I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I gotta think about this. Huh. Okay. This is a tough one. What's a drink that starts out promising but ends kind of disappointingly? It has to be a drink that you take a long time to finish because this is this is the last shift. This is a long ten to four, man. That's not a fun work shift. That's the it's late. You had to sleep all day to even be awake enough to finish this shit. So it's it's just got to be something you have to you got to power through. And that doesn't sound like a fun drink. That's the problem. You know yeah, what? Okay. I want this to be a good drink. Same. Overall, overall, my opinion of this film is positive. It was good. It's a good movie. Gosh, gosh, I don't know. I am deep in the weeds here. I googled signature cop drink. Oh no. <laughs> and I am now looking at a link called Seven Recipes, Seven Drinks for the True American Patriot. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, what about we might be thinking about this the wrong way. This is this isn't a drink, this is a marathon. So what if it was a Okay. Alternate on the Four Horsemen or something. All right. Okay. All right. I can do something with that. Yeah. You need three really pleasant liquors that work well together. An ending that is just really disappointing. <laughs> okay. So it's bourbon, whiskey, scotch, tequila. Bourbon. It's a good bourbon. A nice bourbon. I've had a bunch, but of course it was all at this amazing barbecue joint that is in Northern California and I can't go there anymore. It's a good bourbon. We're talking good bourbon. I always go with Woodford Reserve. Yeah. No, I'll agree with that. So Woodford for the bourbon. Whiskey. 
do we want a, a good a good whiskey or yeah a no good scotch we or... want a good whiskey we'll do a good whiskey and a good scotch and i can definitely supply the scotch but the good whiskey mm. we could do a bush mills Ooh, that is that is that is that is a good call yeah yeah so bush mills for the scotch that's uh, sure the uh, whiskey sorry Scotch, I'm definitely going to have to bring in my favorite, which is uh, Laphroaig. Very peaty. Love Laphroaig. Yeah, no, that's my favorite Scotch of all damn time. Really good shit. And then at the end, you just get some fucking Jose Cuervo swill. Yeah, fuck it. Just Jose Cuervo gold. Just some disappointing tequila. And I know in some versions, you pour all the four horsemen together. Nah, do this one at a time. Savor the first three. Really think about it. You know, you're enjoying yourself. You're out with friends. Maybe even have a glass of water in between each of them so you're not destroyed. And then just shoot that Cuervo and think about your life. And think about <laughs> your choices. <laughs> and that's it. What do we want to call this? And that's it. Just call it the last shot. The last shot. The last yep, shot. That's perfect. <laughs> I love it. No, oh, this is great. <laughs> I, I dig it. I don't know if I'd ever do that to myself. Nah, probably. Nah, I, I would. It'd be an expensive first couple. <laughs> we This would have to be, we're partying. We're going to have a long night. We've lined our stomach with some food. And we're probably not going to do much else after that. But hey, we're going to do the last shot yeah. and make an event out of it. But yeah, no, this is uh, this is not just something I would do un- unsolicited. Oh, Hmm. Okay, that's the last shot, everybody, and that was the last shift. And it's it's I, I've kind of got a list going now on Google Docs of movies we bring up that we recommend, but also the movies we watch on the show that we recommend. And I, I I recommend this. Yeah, me too. It's it's got some flaws, but overall, it's a good, captivating piece. It keeps your attention. There is no real downtime in this film that I felt. There, there's one kind of weird uh, stop. Just just please stop. But it gets back to the action fairly quickly. And it, yeah, no, I recommend this. Okay. Well, that being said, I've got about half a rum and coke left here in my in my hand. I think I'm just gonna down the rest of this motherfucker. Woo! I'm out of alcohol. I have to go get more. Ah! And from there, I think for the most part, we can call that an episode. Absolutely. Thank you for all of your support. Continue to hit us with questions, with movie recommendations. (coughs) Use the hashtag Jameson Tapes to spread that shit around. And yeah, no, thank you for joining. Uh, And yeah, if you've got any questions you want to ask us, it doesn't even have to be about any of the movies we're watching. Just could be about drinks. It just could be about other movies. If you want to shoot those to us, go right ahead. Please do. Any, any excuse you can give us to hang out and have a few cocktails together, and we, we will take it. Well worth it. Anyway, do you want to watch the Poughkeepsie tapes next time? Yeah, maybe. I don't know, probably. <laughs> anyway, bye. <laughs> <laughs> the Jameson Tapes is hosted and created by Alan Chaney and Abysme. If you have a movie suggestion for the podcast, please leave a comment, message us on the Creative Horror Discord, or tweet at Creative Horror with the hashtag Jameson Tapes. Creative Horror is a network of creators working together to build a constructive community of horror fans. Please visit us at creativehorror.com. <laughs>